So welcome to Player Status, episode 16. 17, 17 good sir, 17 on for April, April 6th. 6th in the year of our Lord, 2010. We have one goal for the night, and that's to actually make a complete uh, audio cast. <laughs> yes, without <laughs> losing hours and hours of valuable in-game footage or... I'd like to point out half of that was uh, not valuable. No, it was completely bad. Though I would we like to manufacture anyway. at least one fight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So, uh, Andrew, what have you been playing in the past week? I've been playing Wii Rule on the iPhone. Oh, okay. I thought that was like a new game on the Wii. I'm like, no, don't lie to me. You don't play the Wii anymore. I do not. The Wii's actually in this bag here with all the Wii games. Yes, that's why. And there's a hole. There is. I I tried to pick it up at one point, and then it didn't work out. Did it? Well, this is compelling commentary. (laughs) (laughs) So, what 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 is this game you're playing? So, Wii Rule is uh, like an MMO that is also a Farmville like thing. It's it's like a it's like a it's it's like a building. So far, sim. you have yet to draw me into okay. why you so, actually. So far, so far, I am going to make fun of you, but continue. It's like a building simulation that has multiplayer components on your iPhone. So, what do you build? Uh, you build a castle and you build an infrastructure for your say town. He builds a farm. Yeah, and you build a farm. <laughs> you 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 build crops. You you build crops. You farm crops. You plant crops and let them grow and you tenderize this them. This is my castle tree. You it tenderize them. You tenderize you them. them. You tenderize them. No, you tenderize them. Tenderizing them is hitting them with a mallet. <laughs> exactly. That's what you do to corn, isn't it? So what, what's the multiplayer component? The multiplayer component is that you can invite other people either into your world or you can get invited into theirs. It uses this plus. Uh, gaming network that NG Moco built for all of the iPhone and mobile gaming stuff that they do. Uh, it's pervasive so that if you're logged into like one game and also with push notifications so you could just be sitting like in law school and your friend says come play this game with me and your phone goes beep and it just jumps you into this game. There's It's like a buddy system like Xbox Live has. It's yeah. centralized, works across all their games. So what what do you do though? You build stuff, and it's, so it's, cooperative it's, it's building non-violent, stuff. yes. It it's is Farmville. Not, it's not. It's it's actually more... Uh, I mean, it's like some of those older castle-building sims from before Crusader. Oh, okay. Or uh, is it... Gosh, I can't remember. Stronghold, sorry. Stronghold, Crusader. Yeah. Stronghold Crusade. Yeah. Is the Crusader sequel. was the uh, origin yes, top-down origin, action yes. game. And we were talking about that recently. But yes. I, for some reason, was thinking the Strongholds were called Crusader Stronghold. It's Stronghold so Crusader. There's, Crusader. But there's no, real, no there's remorse, no, real no regret. That's no, fine. there is not. There that is sounds not. really so boring. So what's the compelling interest for continuing playing? Uh, the socialization. I mean, if for me, it's more of a technical achievement on an iPhone. It's, it's something that has a lot of functionality of a far more complex building simulation on the PC, something that I grew up with, like the Caesar series. Except it's on my iPhone, and I can play it with my wife, even when I'm in Vancouver and she's in Portland. <laughs> so what have you been playing, Peter? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm making the jerk-off he, motion with my hands. He's been touching his balls slowly. I've been gently. playing Assassin's Creed 2. You guys know those Vinny Vedecci sketches on SNL? I, I, uh, no. With the, the bear man? The guy who says, oh, yes, you are a bear man. Yes. So, uh, the English, so you can play the game with e- either set to English or to Italian, and the English version literally sounds like, hey, it's a barando! Like, it actually sounds like you're playing the Vinny Vedecci the game. As everyone talks talks to you like a stereotype. Does anyone ask you if you want a pizza? No, but uh, your Uncle garden. Mario, when he appears, goes, it's a me, Mario! Do you, do you get seated at the Olive Garden in this game? No, the Olive Garden is shit. But I thought you wanted to eat there the other night as a last resort. I did. As a last wait, resort. Wait, wait, you guys are going on dates? <laughs> of course we Y'all are. Garden is it's so a romantic. man date. <laughs> um, <laughs> the soup and salad deal's great. <laughs> yes, it is. God, I love breadsticks. 
I love it. It's a pretty cool game too. still. Um, obviously, I haven't been playing it that much because I've had it for like a week and a half and I'm still like halfway through it, so. Okay. Just killing things. Actually, I spent... Do you have guns yet? No, but I spent three entire hours running around on rooftops killing the rooftop guards and then throwing them onto prostitutes. I do like <laughs> prostitute deaths. It's it's hilarious. So then you like hide in a crowd when they're looking for you, and then they walk past you because they don't think you're there, and you stab them in the back real quick, and all the other guys are like, "He died." You're like, "Hey, fun." Is that disturbing to anybody? Congratulations, nope. Dexter. Nope. It's not disturbing. <laughs> it, that's pretty. That's pretty normal for us. Okay. And what have you been playing, Nick? Uh, I've been. Um, I'm back to the Dragon Age grind. Uh, mm, yes. I I'm I'm since I'm going to be starting the expansion pack. Uh, this week, since we had the shortened weekend uh, between podcasts, I'm, That's I'm true. currently getting ready to start the expansion, so I'm finishing up one of my storylines and making sure I've got everything prepared to go on. And are you going to play this character through Awakening, or are you going to create a new one? I'm going to play this character through Awakening. I, I really like my uh, dwarf dwarf noble who's become a communist uh, <laughs> Um, character. That is how it works. The, the, the though, children of rich people usually become communists. Though, though my, my city elf that I've been um, playing as a fascist, uh, or as a proto-Hitler, is very amusing and fun. <laughs> and uh, I'm who knows, I might end up playing through as, Best on that Best use too. of proto-Hitler ever. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're going to be evil, you might as well be the evil. You, you might as well, yeah. <laughs> might as well be the ultimate evil. You should be John Locke Smoke Monster, then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, actually, and, and I was OMG so, spoilers. So, yeah, sorry, <laughs> five, sorry. Five years from now, it will make sense. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just read the DVDs. Even then, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, no, you, it, you don't. It's not a spoiler. It's, I know. I'm yeah. just giving you shit. But it is a spoiler. Okay. You, 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 but but seriously. seriously. But seriously. seriously. But not. But seriously, yeah. yes. it's not. But seriously, it is. Okay. Uh, I also actually have been virtualizing uh, an old copy of Windows 98 to play some of these old games like Deadlock and Enemy <laughs> Nations. As we've been talking about them, I'm like I want to play those again. Oh, there's uh, actually uh, a new ver- uh, a new game uh, called Fiend, which is a DOS box front end that's co- a complete GUI. You don't have to uh, type in command line. It's pretty cool. I've been using it to get blood running on my network, so we can play blood. Yeah. Some akim- akimbo action would be good. Yes. yes. So when in I get that soccer. ready, I'll let you guys in know. The soccer stadium. But actually, <laughs> I, I wanted to play around with it to see if we, if I could uh, get it working with DOS games. Just it, it works with pretty much every DOS game I've thrown at it. Mm-hmm. So I don't even have to use. I mean, I still use Scum VM to play like the old Monkey Island games. But I got the old Monkey Island games to work in it uh, without nice. a lot of work. Uh, whereas with DOSBox, you had to do some... You have to set up yes. stuff. This game, you just click, 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 and you're good. Yeah, I'm just... Because uh, this is on my Mac Mini, just virtualizing Windows XP with VirtualBox from Sun, which I love is free, is nice. Uh, you can use VirtualBox on any operating system, play old games. I like Sun, surprisingly. <laughs> I don't like Jonathan Schwartz, unsurprisingly. Don't worry, none of us know who that is, and we don't care. Congratulations. Thank you, you're welcome. <laughs> so, news of the world. News. Uh, There's not much news. That's the news. Some yeah. of the more interesting news, uh, two of the other... So, the heads from Infinity War got fired. Yes, And now did. two of their lead designers... Continuing on, the Infinity War uh, Activision feud. <laughs> Sorry, family <laughs> feud. <laughs> two of the other lead designers... Uh, left the company, and in fact, and uh, these are the guys that have been there for like ye- eight years, eight, seven, and eight years, and that's basically the length of the company. They've been around since two thousand two, two thousand one. Uh, don't uh, look at me; I'm not an Infinity War apologist. 
<laughs> I, I'm sorry, was I editorializing? No, there? you're an infinity word isolationist. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, so, so what do you know? So, is this going to mean that we're going to still have lots of? Call it's going to be rid of lots of Call of Duty games, but anymore? it seems like they're going to be more of the Treyarch variety of Call of Duty games as opposed to the Infinity Ward ones. The Infinity Ward ones are usually of much higher quality than the Treyarch ones. Yeah. I still like the Treyarch games, but the Infinity Ward ones just had a bit more polish to them. So is, uh, is this going to remove the level of gritty that's currently going on with all of the uh, no, first-person shooters? No, the gritty is defi- it's definitely going to stay grittier. brown. It's definitely going to stay brown. Everything's going to be dark. Oh, good. I like, I like brown. Yeah. Uh, uh, brown, it's an earth color. It goes well with Gaia. It goes well with everything. It goes well with ships really beautiful. well, usually. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what but my, it doesn't look good just are. for the, the quality <laughs> of the games that the Infinity Ward studio is going to put out. And it does seem that Infinity Ward, instead of trying to be its own little independent part of Activision, is now going to be pretty much like Neversoft, where it's Activision's Infinity Ward studio. Yeah, who does Infinity Ward think this is? Activision, Blizzard, Infinity Ward? Give me yeah. a break. Give me a break. This is Activision, where when we find a cash cow product, we milk the shit out of it until no one wants to buy it anymore, like Guitar Hero and Tony Hawk. Well, do you see, yes. the, do you see people not, buy, not buying it anymore? Not yet. Yeah, I do see at some point. No, some point. Stale. Some point. Maybe and that's actually, next Christmas. The uh, the Treyarch yeah. games have been doing progressively worse each time. Yeah, maybe so people are waiting Christmas. for the Infinity Ward. Maybe this Christmas. Right, and so Treyarch's it might be the start. Stand. And on top of it, that they actually have apart from the game that's coming out this fall, three other Call of Duty games unlocked to come out in 2011. So I'm just one thing. I'm <laughs> so, so what 20th century war are they not covering? Um, well, one's going to be a th- so, something about no one, one being a massively war. multiplayer game. Another one being a spinoff based on the ghost character who died in the second game. And the other is Barack Obama Scrabble. And yeah. so it's, it's going to be Call, Call of Duty, Duty Barack Obama Scrabble. <laughs> yes. Or Call of Duty, literally a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Call of Duty. I really you don't know what we're making. So one thing I'm confused about with Treyarch, the end of this year in 2010, is this the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning? Well, Treyarch's not affected, so Infinity Ward, it's... I know, but obviously no one likes Treyarch as much as they like Infinity Ward, so that's what I'm asking. Is this the Trinity, beginning of the end of I the would end imagine the Treyarch would become the new Duty. lead developer if Infinity Ward keeps losing their... Uh, the, the, the guys who've been around since the company started. Yeah, so these guys, you, you get the names? Um, not off the top of my head. So this is lead designer Todd Alderman. And, and he's the guy who led the multiplayer head. That's right. And software engineer Francisco Gigalotti. Yeah. And he's was one of the guys who was like, hey guys, we should probably have our own graphics engine so we don't have to keep paying royalties to id software. Indeed. So it's just, it's 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 what pretty much everyone expected was going to happen after the two lead guys got canned. Uh, a lot of the the original team or the guys who were close to them were going to leave too. Yeah, should we expect so. any more of this? Any more to leave, or is this going to be rounded out? You know, pretty much. Spe- They'll it's have just a speculation. There'll probably be more leaves. Um, Activision just canned a whole bunch of their uh, executive staff in Europe and here in America. So it'll be interesting to see how Activision shakes up over the next year, especially since 67% of their profits come from the Blizzard side of the business. Like when one company is holding you up. It's kind of like how EA was back in the early 2000s where it was basically the Sims keeping the propping the company up to pump Madden after Madden out. Did you just start recording to see you could do that? It, it didn't get you. It, for some so, reason, uh, it's three news streams, update. it just kind of 
takes Are we two or three seconds. Yeah, we're recording yes. for some reason. Obviously, that was a complete natural uh, progression of our discussion. That was there. a transition. At no point did Andrew say, I feel sick and I need to go poop. No, no no <laughs> point did that happen. No, no. Uh, it, so, other news piece. Uh, <laughs> well, it was for my rectum. Microsoft released an update to uh, Xbox Live. Yes. Allowing you to use a USB thumb drive as a memory card. So you don't have to buy their memory cards anymore. Indeed. It, it supports mem- uh, USB thumb drives up to 16 gigabytes. I think that's what you were saying, yeah. And and like you also pointed out as well, that every time Microsoft does something cool like this, they also make it shitty special. Yeah, so you can't hook up like a 500 gigabyte you know, hard drive Which with a USB would, port. Which I would personally, the first thing I saw when I saw that headline is I, I have a 500 gigabyte notebook hard drive in this house. I have an external enclosure. I'm going to put them together and hook them into my uh, and you can they'll have a child, and the child will be ultra smart. <laughs> then it'll be it'll super be awesome. But then that child's just going to stick around playing Farmville all day. Yeah, let's face it. Because he's a little bastard. prick. Yeah, so <laughs> that's pretty cool just from the standpoint that, you know, it costs so much to buy Xbox accessories right now. I mean, the Wi-Fi adapter is still like $100. Yes. You know, well, and, and the hard drive is 150 bucks for a 160 gigabyte What's basically a 160 gigabyte SATA drive. Yes, it's not like your $99 Android phone has Wi-Fi or anything in it. Yeah, it totally doesn't. Wi-Fi is so expensive to build I know. and make it, and it's manufacture. So hard. It's so hard to put it in any device. Especially That's why it's with the everywhere. new system on a chip chips. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, it's a step in the right direction. Do, Let's do we go have any idea why we think they did this? Um, they, so Scandisk Smart. could, re- or Memorex, excuse me, Memorex could release a, uh, a $40, four gigabyte USB thing that is that, that's aesthetically why. looks Memorex like. Memorex sound like some sort of uh, pharmaceutical product for older people? <laughs> no, it makes it me is. think of like Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> Memorex. I don't so know why they did it. To. I think I'm they sure just we, did yeah, it William to. William Gibson's totally excited about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think they're just kind of. Maybe somewhat in some way countering the toss in any hard drive you want on the PlayStation 3. See, I was wondering if maybe this is something to uh, prevent piracy or allow them to you know, do something else, but it seems... It just seemed really. like a, a way to give co- consumers a cheap way to upgrade memory. I guess, and it probably makes sense, is that we move towards uh, Xbox Live Arcade and Xbox Game... Yeah, you can take your account, you can copy your account yeah. onto it and then take it to your friend's house to play. Like geometry, and everyone has flash drives sitting around. There's probably thirty in the stamp house. It's entirely possible they just just did this because it was kind of an empty thing that they could do for their customers. It was something that's kind of possible. I don't believe it. (laughs) Because it it does legitimately sound like just something like you know how how many people just end up acquiring uh, you know thumb drives and might as well put them to good use. Yeah, I I used the random one in my house as a a ready boost drive. I know. uh, I'm pretty sure that you know if I was buying shaving equipment and not using my electric shaver, it would come with a flash drive now. Yeah. <laughs> well, most keychains do. Well, yeah, there you go. So, I, it's just cool. <laughs> <laughs> that was awkward. So, the uh, next news story is, uh, apparently LucasArts is remaking Monkey Island 2. They did this for Monkey Island 1, and now they're doing a special edition with new hand-painted graphics and high-definition graphics. And uh, What's it coming out on? Uh, Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, Wii, PC, just like the last one. Oh, I forgot that the last one actually came out on Xbox. Yeah. Okay, that's right. So, I, do you do you, are you do you think it's not a good idea, or do you do you like that, or? I like that they're re-releasing it. I just part of the Monkey Island thing is I never really liked the art style once they got away from the from the sprite graphics of the first two games. 
I never really dug the art style that Monkey Island 3 and Monkey Island 4 went with. And this these games are redone in that art style, so I just... I'm kind of against it on a bias of my own opinion. See, I, I, I like the art style in the in the third Monkey Island game. Like, I... It was still very cartoony um, in a hand-drawn style. The, I mean, the cartoony part isn't what annoyed me. It's just the way it was You done. just didn't like it not being the, the old style. Well, and, and that Monkey Island 2 ended in a way that didn't need to have a sequel. Uh, you see, I, I thoroughly enjoyed I, my playing my experience in the third one, and I think you're wrong. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. No, and the, I, I, I did think, as far as game goes... Monkey Island 3 was good. I just didn't like its style. I, 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 do, I do have kind of a problem with redoing games. Like, I like re-releasing games. And I, I think that, like, the original way that games were released as, you know, that, that is what the game is. That it's artistic statement. That's its, its way it's written is to be the way it's made. Otherwise, Han, uh, otherwise, uh, Han doesn't shoot first, basically. Exactly. Is what you're I, that was, I, that was <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't like, I don't like George Lucas taking everything from my childhood. Matt with Spielberg, which he helped with Crystal Skull. Yes, thank you. Fucker. So, I guess, I guess this may be part of that discussion we're talking about later, later, should we remake old games and that kind of thing. I thought this was the discussion. Do we want to do that now? Yes, I thought this was the segue into the discussion. I didn't know that was... Okay, okay. Thank you, thank you. See, so here's the thing that I have. Like, Nick was talking about he thinks old games should be released. But I do like it when companies like id Software release the old engine that they don't use anymore as open source. And then you get cool things like the Tanabre project in Quake where everything now is bump maps and there's shaders and shadows. and But it's still Quake. But it's done by the user community... So it, it's not done by the company, so it's kind of this... I don't know, it so always feels like... it's not done by the man, you're okay with it? It just seems like it's done more in the spirit of the games half the time. Like the Doom uh, the Doom Engine projects. Okay, the ones where they replace the sprites with 3D characters are stupid, but when they add volumetric lighting and all that sort of thing, with these old-time graphics running around with two frames of animation, <laughs> I don't know, I kind of enjoy that for some reason. I, 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 I want one of those old engines that like works for games for Windows, Windows, Windows built in. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be, that would really, be really rad, rad, rad to have you yeah. play games, find my friends, find my friends not to worry not about, worry about IPX configuration. <laughs> which, which, oh, oh god, I god, I love it. IPX, yeah. IPX, SPX. It's kind, it's kind of similar. Really, there's this this whole big rage and for movie making that they re-release new version, updated versions with new new cinematography techniques, new camera style things, new 3D, as in the case of the Flash of the right. Titans. I, you know, I just don't like redoing stuff. I mean, even, there is a number of there's a number of times where um, you can redo things that were horrible and actually make something decent. Yeah. Yeah. But usually, like it, when you take something that's a classic and not like a cult classic, like so bad it's good, but something that was legitimately good. Yeah. Legitimately, I mean, the the first and second Monkey Island games were great games. Yeah. They are they are classic games. They they're. And then not just in the sense that they were games that I'm really fond of from my childhood, but rather they were just really well made. Really and well they made. hold up really well still. And they hold up really well. well that was, that was going to be my next question. I haven't played Monkey Island for years, but let's say that you had a friend that was just getting into like click action or click and point action RPGs or something like that. Would you have them play this and would they go, what the hell are you showing me? Probably, but I think that happened even with the, uh, the modern version because it's the exact same gameplay. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's so much the graphics that cause the problem as it is. It's The interfaces for point-and-click adventure games has changed lately. 
if you play the new Telltale games, they don't really play. They play similarly to the old style games, but they're not exactly like them. I miss the nine boxes of what you and can I, do. With yeah, everything. and that that'd be the thing, and I think that would turn them off anyways. I don't think it'd be the graphics. The graphics might initially turn them off, but the gameplay in general would probably. See, I found with games in similar with movies or TV that if I'm watching something that obviously has old cinematography, old graphics, mm-hmm. if it's sort of an old manufacturer, that it it turns me off and turns me away from it. See, I never really have that problem. One of my favorite movies is actually Casablanca. And as long as there's like actual quality behind it, the acting and the, the presentation, and that's the sort of thing I have with old games is like uh, me and Nick recently just to pump our watch us play NES games segment, uh, we played Turtles 3, the Manhattan Project on the NES. Uh, the old 8-bit side-scroll beat-em-ups suck compared to anything on the 16-bit systems I mean, or in the arcades. But there's something about double dragon. <laughs> but there's something about the uh, that that you could tell that there was quality there for the time. That and it's not nostalgia because I actually never played that game when I was a kid. I never played Turtles Three. I went from the arcade game on the NES to Turtles in Time on the Super Nintendo. So I never actually played this game. So it has very little nostalgic value for me as far as a game goes. Um, it was still kind of fun. I mean, we didn't play it for like nine hours on end, but for, for the uh, for the thirty minutes that we played it, um, it, it still felt like there's some quality there. Is it a game you play while playing WoW? No, <laughs> no, it was. And so that's I the thing is that there like are things that. that are pretty good uh, that you can tell they have quality. Uh, you can uh, give the old Super Mario Brothers to kids these days, and they'll enjoy it. They might wonder why we ever thought those were good graphics, but they'll have fun with it. I, I see. I have. A, I kind of have a hard time with when they redo games and like what they what they change about them. So with this with this Monkey Island game, you know the the strength of the Monkey Island games. It was not like a graphics breakthrough when it came out or anything. And that was wasn't the focus of the game. The focus of the game was storytelling. Telling it was very funny. <laughs> it it had a you know a very good plot line. It, it was it was just a, a well crafted in how you interact with things. When they're redoing it, they update the graphics and such. It it distracts. It makes it seem like the point of the game is what it visually appears as. Well, and, and then less, and, and it, this is like saying that this is what's you, we can take this kernel of the game, but we want to make it look prettier for you. When mm-hmm. it, it shouldn't matter. The quality of the game was already there. Yeah, and I can kind of understand that the, there is a number of games that they come out and they're impressive and memorable because they're really big leaps forward in how games are shown visually. And those don't hold up well quite often. Like they, they do in our memories because it's like, oh yeah, that was the first time I saw this sort yeah. of effect in a game. But then you're just like, uh, I don't know why I'd play that now. I remember Perfect Dark on the N64 being awesome when I played it. I actually played it this weekend at a friend's house uh, on the Nintendo 64, and I fucking hated it. After like 10 minutes, I couldn't stand it anymore. I was like, I don't want to play this game anymore. The there's nothing about this game that appeals to me, even though there's work there. It's a pretty for the time. It's an extremely good console mm-hmm. FPS, mm-hmm. but there it just seems to me that there are very specific types of games that hold hold up very well over time, and they seem to be the older 2D games where even today when you have 2D games, the mechanics haven't really changed that much since back then. Okay. See, I I agree a million times, yes, with Nick on the content is the most important part, and if it's told well and it has a story and it has that narrative that sucks you in, it regardless of how it looks, it will will, will yeah, stand that test. And that's of why I think Monkey Island should just kind of stay the way it is. But on the flip side of that, I I really do think that 
the visual quality of these games because it is a visual medium is very important. And in fact, I'm thinking of this weekend, I was at a friend's birthday party and we were there to help them get set up. And one of their other friends who has like a 10 or 12 year old son, uh, who's really into racing games was over on my friend's PS2 playing, I think, uh, Gran Turismo four. And he could see this doesn't look modern, it doesn't look like new games, it looks old, we could see jaggies, and this is on an HDTV, so maybe that... That, that only exasperates extra- the problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but even for him not being like a connoisseur and, and just liking racing games and liking that kind of mode of play, he, he thought this is kind of stupid looking. He's a kid, he doesn't know anything. That's true. That's true. But, <laughs> yes, to be honest, racing games, they're visual games. Yes, very much so. And racing games are often seem to be judged on how good the cars actually look, as opposed to whether or not they're fun. Because or, or I don't understand the game is fun. Because I don't know how the fucking I don't know how they shit. make money off racing. Yeah, games, it's like apart know. from Burnout and Mario NASCAR. Kart, I don't understand <laughs> yes. that. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I was actually trying to educate him on PS uh, history and telling him about which is uh, well, Ken's kids love Ridge you, Ridge Racer, Ridge Ridge like, Racer. which is why I'm looking forward about? to uh, the PS uh, <laughs> PSN has this really great PlayStation One Classics system going on where if you have a PS3 or a PSP, you can get any of these old PlayStation One games that they release digitally, and the games aren't changed at all; they look exactly like they used to, so they have to hold up on their gameplay end. Which, for some of the games, like when Dark Forces comes out, is pretty good because that's exactly what they looked like when they came out. The PlayStation One was more than was more uh, more powerful. <laughs> it, it was, <laughs> was more powerful bigger. enough to it handle them. It had the largest. <laughs> had the largest. It had the largest of its processing and power. And one of the top selling games is Final Fantasy VII. Which everyone's favorite Which JRPG. I've... Man, Final Fantasy seems to come up every episode. Every God. episode. We might as well call ourselves the Final Fantasy It, is, it has come up crew. actually more often than Steam has. Now. Yeah, I, you could say uh, we're sponsored uh, yeah, by a company that hates Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be us. America. <laughs> we sponsor ourselves. America. Player Status Tribunal. Top games from 2000-2010. What will each of us choose... Will Andy love an entire company to death? Will Peter, Peter, like anything beyond a first-person shooter? And will I talk about anything aside from Dragon Age? Andy. This was the decade of Relic, motherfucker. <laughs> and I said it, and I said it, and I said it. <laughs> and you said What it two again. games from Relic would you pick? Because, you know, while, while I said it was okay to pick a company, uh, me and Nick demand that you actually single out one game. Uh, the most important game, I think, this entire decade from Relic was Homeworld 2. And how, how does that actually, like, if you're saying it's the, the important. most important, I think... In what way? Does it, like, does it... Uh, I think it is kind else? of the holy triumvirate. It perhaps has the most strongest, powerful, emotional narrative of any game I have ever played. Most strongest, powerful? Most strongest, most strongest powerful. Most strongest, most powerful. I'm going to string together a bunch of superlatives. <laughs> However, Homeworld 3 did not teach Andy English. <laughs> no, uh, I, it taught me English. <laughs> you and, love our Homeworld. <laughs> it, it also taught me to say, Fleet Command Online. Oh, that's why you keep saying that. Yes, that, and also that's what I say during orgasm. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, see, I'm yes. adding that to my toolbox. Yes, you are. <laughs> Fleet Command Online! You don't sing it? No. no. Any, <laughs> anyways, no, what, 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 what about, about it? 
the most strongest, powerfulest uh, narrative. I literally cried like a little girl during this game multiple times with the tragedy that you... Uh, <laughs> I know what parts are talking yes. about, too. No, seriously. Okay. Is, is this on lines... Is this, like... Would, would you say this is equal to the amount of, like, uh, of emotional storytelling like the Dragon Age has? Like I, I would say it's more. Honest it's to even God. more so? It's more so, yes. And, and part of this... And I, you're able to get this connection through... Through Homeworld 1 into Homeworld 2, yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, Homeworld... So, for those that don't know Homeworld, because I'm sure we're talking to a bunch of people that were in diapers well, at the even, time... Well, even if they out. weren't in diapers, not many people bought the Homeworld Not many series. people bought this game, but it did put Relic on the map both in the 90s yeah. and in this decade. Yeah, it did. Uh, Homeworld 1 was the very first game of its kind, a three-dimensional strategy game, and, and I actually mean three-dimensional. Yeah. Games like uh, Command & Conquer 2 and things, even though they had isometric views and 3D polygons and whatnot, was still a two-dimensional game. You you moved around on a battlefield. This was a space simulator. You're, you're essentially leading a fleet from a broken world across the universe, in which it's not just moving along on a plane of X and Y, but you also have Z. You can go up and down. The, the first time I played this Get game... Out. Uh, it, yeah, multiplayer, single player, I remember with such vivid detail taking a fleet, uh, you know, a small group of fighters and some corvettes and going way up to the top of the zone that we're in, the, the sort of uh, locked-off box of space that this specific mission is taking place, and going and dive-bombing on this cruiser while I attack it from below with ion frigates or, uh, you know, other vehicles with ion cannons. And because it had uh, armor plating on the bottom that was weaker to that sort of weaponry, you know, took it took down this capital ship quicker than otherwise expected. You know, just an actual amount of strategy in a strategy game, which to me was such a revelation. After years of games like Cush, we, we just Kill, Rush. Crush, and Destroy, of yeah. Zerg Rushing Starcraft, of uh, even Command and Conquer, in which you just, tank rush. you just build shit and, and group it and throw it to the other side of the map. And it, yeah. also, it also seems to have less of the whole... Uh, rock paper scissors. Yeah, effect, it, it definitely was not how you maneuver and yes. how you actually use things, as opposed to just this was, had rock right paper spot. scissors stuff. But you had to you had to put them together in a way that you know your corvette shielded you from yes. from uh, fighters. Your fighters shielded you from. Uh, went out and attacked capital I think ships. Homeworld One it. was probably the very first game that actually used uh, formations and stances for any kind of unit and strategy game. You, in things like uh, the previous Command and Conquers, you would choose a unit and you could say like you're going to hold this ground or you're going to attack. But that was pretty much it. It was whoever you want to do long range stuff. You sent them yeah. in second. You sent them in second. Uh, you could uh, group units and have them travel at the same speed. You could set waypoints to have someone go and do something, then meet up at a different angle. You could set uh, a group of fighters to be an aggressive stance in which they'll go outside. Like as soon as they have enemy sensor contact on their radar, they'll go after it. You could send them to defensive so that their mission, if you put them in uh, also like a, a spherical formation around a freighter, is to protect that. Yeah. There was an amazing level of strategy in this game, which to me, most strategy games usually end up being tactical. 
uh, you're just throwing units the other side and kind of rock, paper, scissors. This RPG takes out focus that tank. Focus fire on that. Yeah, focus and, fire. Exactly. Well, and then when you got to the tank point, it was and kill also, everything. also, in this game, this was, I think, the very first RTS that had multiple angles of fire per unit. So you would have a capital ship, a frigate, even a fighter that had multiple cannons that fired independently of each other at multiple targets. And this was such a beautiful game, like the free... Free spaces. Free space. It, it was free space if, yeah. you, if you could control this the fleet the battles of, of free, free space. spaces. Yeah. yeah. In which you'd zoom in and you're following around one Corvette as it's zooming in and out of the battlefield. And there are ion cans flying all over the place and there's different colors and there's explosions. It was very uh, TIE Fighter-ish in terms of its look and feel and the universe it created. Beyond the actual uh, strategy game... This had such an emotional connection for me, and it was my coming of age story. I don't actually know what it was, but I. Even I, though it's just ships in a three-dimensional plane, it, it spoke to you. Is it, what it, it did. spoke to it me. It was one of those games that you just loved in a very you, personal you, you way. Can't yeah, really. I, you can explain why you liked it, but you can't explain why you loved it. Exactly. Know? Yeah. It, it, the The narrative of this game is that you are essentially uh, a warring group of clans on this desert-like planet called, I think, like, Krakus or something like that. Uh, and you finally get to the point where all these disparate warlords and peoples are starting to build up economies and, and pass into, like, an industrial age, and they create a space agency and they send the satellite into orbit. And they the satellite misfires, and actually, instead of looking out at the stars, looks at the planet and finds a massive ship buried underneath the desert. I thought we were talking about Homeworld 2, not Homeworld 1. I'm giving the backstory. Because that, that's the backstory this, for Homeworld 1. I'm, t- I'm telling why. You're it's making Homeworld 2 sound a tad more epic than it... it it's epic, but you're making it sound extra epic. Like it's there's a whole epic. other game. So this so far sounds like the backstory to Robotech. It, it sounds like yeah, the backstory actually, to a lot is. of strategy games. But essentially, they nope. find this huge ship buried in the desert. They unearth it. They start to excavate it. And they find that there's a hyperspace core, something that will allow them to travel across the to universe. To export their certain brand of desert planet crazy yes. elsewhere. Well, <laughs> well, the they, interesting thing is they find, also at the same time scientific enlightenment is beginning to take over the planet and culture, that their DNA is... One, you know, 99.9% different from everything else on the planet when they finally make that discovery and this at the same time that we are not from here and that there is this stone next to this hyperspace core in this empty dead ship that has you know kind of their star and their home world where they are and then across the universe this one planet that sticks out in this one word in an ancient language that says Agara which means our home I mean, like, that started off so beautifully, so epically. They showed this in a comic book-like view of uh, black-and-white panels that kind of had the Ken Burns documentary effect of zooming and panning in and out <laughs> as they show you and talk. And it's like, this this is going to be something special just October. there. It's so cold here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the general says we'll be marching, but I doubt it will happen. It, it had a feel of that, that this was a Tell real history. <laughs> Uh, and and this woman care so they're building this. I, okay, I, I, really, I, dude, you're given a point by point retelling <laughs> of the story, and everyone listening is right now is like doing, dude. I'll just read Wikipedia about it. Okay, so, so what what about Homeworld Two? Quick summarization. So let me just get there in, in uh, thirty they seconds. They get the home. So, they find so they build a home, uh, a home, uh, what a am ship, I? a ship, a big ass ship, a, a living ship, yeah, full of convicts. No, wait, that's Farscape. <laughs> uh, to travel across the universe, and this woman, Karen Sajet, sacrifices herself. Okay. 
herself. Again, you're still. That's doing why it. I'm telling him. Karen's jet sacrifices herself to become the computer core of this this huge. What is it with super science demanding sacrifice of life? This is just like blood sacrifice for magic. <laughs> it, it is. It's blood sacrifice for the computer gods. So, anyways, what so did they, they get do? across the universe. They get to their home world. It's magical. I cried in this game in Homeworld Two. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for actually finally getting to the fucking point. Now we're to the game that actually was between. Yes. Now, now we're talking about the game that Andrew loves as opposed to the first one in the series. Which I only love in a deeply sexual manner rather than a deeply romantic manner. I was manner. wondering why that box was so messed up. <laughs> so anyways, Look, what one does in their own personal time stays in their own boxes. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. So in the second game, you Karen Sajek comes out of retirement and... You Even know, though she's a computer. Well, she's not. She's, she's Okay, so she's not a computer. She's Keep not... Going. <laughs> We're you're not, interrupting my beautiful retelling of a story that made me cry. Because you're going to go into so much detail that no, no one okay. Cares. Uh, the second game, really, it's this ancient evil that arises, and you have to go kill it. Except this ancient evil is really building out this backstory that there's other hyperspace cores in this universe, and you're not alone. That there are other people like you. That there used to be an ancient uh, civilization, a conflict, all this. And instead of it being very vague and progenitorish like every other game, there were the ancients, and we don't know anything about them except yeah. they used to be us and powerful. It's they were us, and they were powerful, and we have all this evidence, and we we've started to build on their technologies rather than we're just thrown to this space shit that we don't understand. Yeah. And the way that they play out all of these cutscenes in this game, both uh, in the mission, just via uh, sound, uh, just you know, uh, voiceovers as you actually do things that affect the mission, uh, these cutscenes that are still comic book-like uh, in terms of the panning and zooming Ken Burns effect, and uh, then just the the overall mission objectives, it builds such a strong actual advancement of both the society and, and what you're trying to achieve that I haven't seen any other game like it since, even before this. I mean, it it it, it was very, very unique, and I cried like a little girl multiple times in both games because it was so well done. There were so many tragic moments. And for me, the games that have the strongest emotional memories and strongest ties are those, and I hate the term gritty, and I hate the term, like, real world. But yeah, but they're they're real emotional. They're, they're, they're actual emotions. It's, it's it. not melodramatic like so much of yeah. our industry is that we, we hearken on to the, oh, God, someone got murdered and his brother's going to take revenge and that kind of thing. Sephiroth, Sephiroth. Final Fantasy reference, too. Yes. Uh, but it, it's, it's those those small human moments. Those. It was very yeah, it, very human moments that that really touched an entire civilization as you play these two games. And and the second one, I think, really also thinking back, this is probably the first game in which you're building uh, groups of units, like the Dawn of War Two style, where you command them. They're individual units out of this, so you so there's only one thing you can select. But there's five fighters in it, and they one might get blow up. And blown up, it, it blow up good. I'd like to point out. I knew you liked this game. I didn't realize how much you loved it. Like I, I, loved I knew you it. always talked yeah, about they, it. They, re, they respond <clears throat> in an organic fashion. Of yes, like, and yeah. I think this is the very first game that had that group dynamic. You can go and send it back in and uh, to like repair in a ship uh, docking facility, and it will add on another unit to make this you know a full fighting force of five uh, fighters or something. Uh, and this is, again, because it's Relic, this is probably the foundation of those strategy and tactics that they then use in the Dawn of War series, which has been fantastic. The second favorite game. I think Dawn of War 1, for me, was another revelation in strategy game on a 2D battlefield. It, that w- To me, really... I thought 
Company of Heroes was better than Dawn of War One, but no, I, not to me. Well, I, 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 I know. I, I, th- it, I think Company of Heroes was very good, but it it really it wasn't as a big a step forward as Dawn of War One. Right, yeah. but uh, I see Company of Heroes as an iteration on other games. That they I think it is too, but I just thought Dawn of uh, Company of Heroes was a bit more brutal. But that's as a personal opinion, just from yeah. the explosions. In you it. know, it was at that time that there were a ton <laughs> of World War Two strategy games that were coming out, and that was in like I think Company of Heroes just came out in the shadow of like uh, World it War came II out Online. Yeah, yeah. And all out. these other World War Two fucking games that was right after the beginning of the Call of Duties or Medal of Honor. It was in the middle. It was in the middle Nazis. of Call of Duty. Yeah. yeah. It, it there was just to me it was like Company <laughs> of Heroes really another RTS in World War Two. I love how uh, he's making fun of World War Two games and like this great single player experience and my game's gonna be like a total polar opposite yes, of what he's yeah. talking about. Uh, World War Two game <laughs> <laughs> multiplayer. Uh, but Dawn of War itself mm. it, it really built on to me I saw the sort of. Uh, progeny that came from Warcraft 3, in which while that was an RTS game, it really had you focus on hero units, and sort of introduced that idea, I think, to the Western world. But the Homeworld storyline was better. It was. Yeah, 1,000%. A million I, I agree times, with yes. that, too. I, I did, I, I admit, I did have a problem with Dawn of War's um, storyline. It wasn't nearly long enough. I'm talking about Warcraft better than Warcraft 3's storyline. Well, that, too. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love the universe that Blizzard built, but you can see yeah. that there are seams in it, that there are, there's just a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot that, of retconning that needs to be yeah, done. Oh, yeah. There's an awful lot of retconning. <laughs> yes. uh, and, and that's why, and again... I, they need their own crisis on Infinite Earths. <laughs> it, this goes, I think, a little bit back to what we talked about earlier, should we remake old games, is I love these series that have small snapshots into a universe, in which it's not fucking overdone. I mean, I like Dawn of War. It's a different kind of game, and I like that there's a bajillion fucking expansion packs. I mean, there's probably Andrew's Revenge at this point, and I don't <laughs> even know what the fuck it would introduce. What, Dawn of War 1 had like four or five expansion packs? Dawn of War packs? had four, yeah. Four goddamn expansion Actually, packs. Actually, all you needed to do was buy the first Dawn of War game and the very last one, and you got the exact same experience as Pretty buying much. all of them. Uh, and, and for what it does in that that kind of universe, it makes sense, but something like Homeworld I love because it really, you're just seeing the universe twice. Well, really three times with an expansion pack for the first one, a standalone game. And it's not getting so deep and complex where it's like, well, that doesn't jive with what I saw in the first game in which someone said the polar opposite of what I was just reading or watching. Uh, yeah. And I guess the very last thing I want to say about Dawn of War 1 is that it was really fucking fun. <laughs> so, Peter, you said uh, that you were kind of polar opposite. My polar opposite is uh, from 2000 to 2010, the game I sunk the most amount of time into that I actually think beat World of Warcraft for a sheer amount of time in one game was Battlefield 1942. Um, <clears throat> you know, you were talking about all the things that so I love. So pedestrian. <laughs> you know, you're Where's talking about the all the things. of this game? Uh, it was in I the multiplayer. I about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> me, and Matt and, me and Matt would play this game for hours every day. Um, the whole idea that, you know, here was a multiplayer first-person shooter. You know, I've been playing multiplayer first-person shooters on the internet since... Uh, Quake. I've been playing it on uh, Quake 1, Quake 2, Quake 3, Unreal Tournament, uh, even Counter-Strike. And the game that connected with me most was Battlefield. Uh, it took The thing I really loved about Tribes, which is where you had different classes, but it, but it added in vehicles that were actually useful. As opposed to the ones in tribes, when you just skied around <laughs> but everywhere, it doesn't have jetpacks. <laughs> you run around and get out. <laughs> you just run around and get out. That's um, it just and it was the sheer variety of uh, uh, the amount of just the way you could attack stuff. Uh, the the bridge too far level was actually one of my favorites, yeah. where uh, the Germans actually the Germans and the Allies started on different sides. They had to cross these bridges to get at each other. 
the Allies had uh, one spawn point that they started from, and it was either a really long walk or drive to get into the battle area, or get in a troop transport and parachute in like what actually the battle was based off of. Whereas the Germans were already in the town, they were already in the buildings, you could spawn pretty much anywhere, and the Allies had to push them out. Um, <clears throat> then there were other levels. Uh, just the fact that they had Pacific battles where you're hopping from island to island trying to take territory, and uh, air support dogfights were really important. Uh, people could drive, could move the aircraft carrier to different I parts th- of the map. I think it, think keeping idiots out of the airplanes was the second <laughs> yes. front of yes. those battles. It was the second, the yeah. That was the, yeah. It really but was. when good pilots were in them, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you could control battleships, you could run submarines, uh, you know, people running around in Jeeps, uh, me and Matt driving around the Jeep, Matt on the machine gun shooting, me honking the horn, you know, uh, shaving a haircut two bits throughout the entire map. Uh, being able to play different character classes, just... The whole, and on top of it, the vehicles themselves uh, had weak points, so you had to use some strategy when attacking yes. them. Uh, if you're the anti-tank guy, you couldn't you you could take a tank on head-on, but you weren't going to do much damage smart. to it. <laughs> but if you if it came in far enough and you got around it, you could attack it from the back and do more damage. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of always this: if you're in a tank, you were hoping that you had people alongside you to kill the anti-tank guys, and you never went too far into a spawn point. Uh, unless you were sure that there weren't, it wasn't. No one was going to hit you from the back. No one's going to hit it from the back. Indeed, don't hit it from the back. Uh, Battlefield 1942. That makes me think of "Don't copy that floppy" for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> don't copy don't that floppy. floppy. Don't hit it from the back. It had two really good expansion packs: uh, Road to Rome, which added yeah, in the yes. Italian campaign, and new weapons, and special weapons, and special weapons, yes, uh, yeah. which added in just these ridiculously overpowered I items. Know, I remember those Each little jet-powered... Uh, <laughs> you know, the Allies mini. had jetpacks, these really early jet-powered airplanes. Yes. Um, these two super tanks that basically created huge explosions. Yeah, the, 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 the Storm Tiger. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, whatever the Allied version was. <laughs> the Woodrow Wilson! <laughs> yeah, it was... It, fires it, was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I actually have something up here that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Both explode beautifully. Their support for the community was pretty good. They had uh, new maps that came out. They had the Coral Reef, which was just a dogfighting map. Yes. Uh, which I didn't really like because I didn't really like the airplanes that much because it was well, like 900 you, idiots trying to get yes, into yeah, one if, airplane. If you, got, if, if you actually got that one, it was it was seriously three people were up in the air yes, and then but exactly. five people <laughs> There was this really good level that I liked. It was uh, you had to destroy these radar towers. Mm-hmm. On the British side, it was the Battle of Britain level, and the Germans actually spawned on one side. Had to fly across this huge. I mean, it was supposed to be the uh, the ocean, but it, I mean, it was pretty close together. Yeah, the channel was a river in this game. Uh, but what happened was is that you you had to bomb it, so you had people flying bombers, people flying fighters, or also units would air jump out to put explosives on the things. Now, not accurate to the Battle of Britain. But as far as, as, far as actual multiplayer maps. goes, I mean, it's, you know, these days everyone can spawn on someone in your squad, or the spawns are, like, rapid, or you, everyone dies and the round goes over. You know, Battlefield 1942 introduced this idea of, you know, there's really, it had really interesting ways to get people into the fight. So they had to fly a fighter over, uh, you had people who were circling around with the mobile spawn points, which were the uh, parachute ships, which... No one was doing in multiplayer games, and a lot of multiplayer games now have first-person shooters have the uh, obligatory vehicle section. Yes. Or 
the Mass tank Effect. that you happen to have in uh in multiplayer maps, you know, and they all got that from Battlefield 1942. It kind of made it popular. It it did popularize all of that. For it popularized FPS yeah. is set in that time. Well, actually, I guess set in any time frame. Still going on today. Yeah. Uh, what I really liked about it, though, is that in a multiplayer game, we were just used to running around from behind a gun, and now you could run around from behind a gun, hop in a tank, take out an enemy place, hop in a jeep, go around to the enemy's base, steal their airplane. You know, I mean, it had a lot of really fun ways to play the game, and uh, as long as you. As long as you thought openly about the game, about how to attack certain areas, you know, you. it was the first time I ever played a multiplayer game where each time you played, you weren't really entirely sure how the other team was going to play the game. And it, it made the game a lot more interesting. You were no longer like, oh, this is where the snipers hang out, or oh, I'm getting near the quad damage. I did, I did like that it, it was, I mean, like, they were static maps, of course, but... Uh, you did have they're almost all very open. Um, right. It, it wasn't like you know when you played Counter Strike there was dust. Yeah. Everyone knows yes. the exact where. Everyone knows be. where offices. Yeah. Everyone knows what the routes the people take to run around. But like there was a lot of different options you could have. And and, I, I really liked that. And then there's the North African maps, which were just massive tank fights. Yeah. yeah which out in the which then you night. had to capture these towns and you, everyone mm-hmm. had to get out of the tank because the only way to hold the town I was really to actually be in there. I hated those maps. <laughs> I loved it. I loved the variety that you could have. Just yeah, in one I, game. I do recall liking that it was very, yeah, geographic. There's and a lot once, of different things you'd and see. And if you got people who knew how to do very specific things, you actually had player-controlled artillery. So lucky as that. I just remember, uh, it, like, <laughs> in a couple of those uh, island maps, standing at the apex of a little hill, and I get run over by a fucking jeep from my own team, <laughs> or I'm standing like on the beach, and I turn around, and a plane is coming, clipping me. The one feature I wish was still in the Battlefield games was. <laughs> What they introduced in Battlefield Vietnam, which was where you could play uh, era-appropriate music oh, in any vehicle you got into. And I kind of, playing Battlefield 2 and 2142 and Bad Company 2, I really wish I could drive around blasting like Ride of the Valkyries or something. Or did Vietnam kind of die on the vine? It, 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 didn't, I, it didn't get a lot of play. It, it didn't get a lot of play compared to 1942. It should have. Um, Vietnam was, was actually a better game than Battlefield. That's what 1942. I was trying to remember. Wasn't actually better, but it just kind of like just didn't. It, stick it was the around. same problem that I feel 2142 has. Is that yeah. Dice seems to release the games in their top one, the follow up, the top one, the follow up. They're kind of doing. They kind of do what Call of Duty does, where you have the Infinity Ward, then the Treyarch, and then yeah. Infinity Ward and Treyarch. Except it was. The game they knew they were going to sell well, and then the game they wanted to make... Uh, well, they want to make the other game too, but, you know, like, this would be fun and we can throw a lot yeah, of ideas into it. this is the game that we don't have to make a ton of money off of. Right, and 2142 is the same way as Battlefield Let's 2 make space. had all this great stuff, and now you have War Walkers, and it was really cool to run around with these giant mechs and gun people yeah. down. But Vietnam is a touchy subject for a lot of people still, and the far future what do you mean? for war games uh, isn't as accessible as modern combat. What do, you, what do you mean, touchy? Uh, a lot of people are touchy about Vietnam. Well, I don't know. I, I, the I game? Do, I do think I actually no, enjoyed The war it. itself, dude. In real life. Yes. Yeah. That was like 35 years ago. Who gives a shit? Yeah. People Most are still Americans. touchy about the Civil War, dude. <laughs> Have you been to the South? No. That's what I'm saying. What is wrong with these fucking <laughs> retards? Anyway, so... Fuck I, you, I, South. I was going to say that, um, that I really enjoy Battlefield Vietnam just for the radio aspect. Getting yeah. to run around, drive around in circles on the maps, busting the radio... The well, then you could also yes, hear yes, you yes, coming, yes. based upon what you're playing on the radio, and that, that was just great. I there's mean, nothing the, like there's nothing like putting on Ride of the Valkyries and driving around on the moped. I mean, it was just one of those like 
like there's actually no advantage to putting it in. No. Necessarily. Like it's not like it makes the like the the killing people better yeah. or anything like that. It's just it makes fun. the killing people better. It does make the killing people better yeah. actually. But, uh, but yeah, I mean it was it, it is one of those features that's like, wow, the people who are making this are making a game because they would want to be able to do that. Yeah, and, and Battlefield was really uh the first time I ever noticed a company not taking necessarily what people had done before, but was kinda like this is the multiplayer game we've been wanting to play for a while, and so here it is. And the only real downside to it is DICE cannot release a bug-free game to save their life. <laughs> <laughs> that is the I, one I constant depressing thing. Uh, you know, they this kind of reminds me of Homeworld 2. They got really good with patching Bad Company 2. It only had about two days of being shitty, of being uh, weird buggies appearing, and then they released a patch and it was fine. I just wanted the opportunity to talk about Homeworld 2 some more. I know. <laughs> Every and I would definitely get, say pretty much. the Battlefield series is awesome. Not as awesome as Homeworld 2. Much more awesome. It, you know, I I really loved Homeworld. You know, I'm, I'm a bit more uh, I'm a bit more bloodthirsty than most video gamers. So that's true. You are you. you whore. <laughs> Nicholas, what is your favorite game from 2000 tell us, to 2010? Tell us, tell us, tell us. Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, it shouldn't be much of a surprise that my favorite game is gonna be an RPG. Uh, but um, how I, often have you cried during it? Uh, I cried only twice during it. <laughs> no, I didn't really cry. I'm, I'm the a, only one that cries anymore. I'm a, apparently. You're, 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 you're yeah. I cried the drop I, of the poop. I, I do admit, though, that I, I did tear up, actually, last night while playing Dragon Age. It, <laughs> it was horrible. See? I was reading uh, It was horrible. It. it was beautiful. It was beautiful. You guys who cry at video games. Stop, stop whacking your arm. Come on. Well, admittedly, it was, it, it, was a, it was a codex section, you're, so it's writing. You're so. like the people who cried <laughs> during wait, 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 Final wait, wait, Fantasy wait. VII when that girl died and who no one really knew and she was only in the game for like an hour. give up on the Final Fantasy thing. Dear Lord. I know. I hate it. I hate it so much. I want everyone... You hate it like, like most guys like hate ex-girlfriends, like, but they always want to bring them up in every conversation. Yeah. So, yeah I, I really hated her. Because Do you remember how, how pretty she smelled? Because I... <laughs> Because I loved Final Fantasy back on the Super Nintendo. But anyway, for the, Dra- right, so the Dragon Age one, yes. I, I, I was reading a thing about... So, so what's your favorite game from 2000 to 2010? So, uh, I'm going to say a, a different Bioware game. Um, uh, <laughs> Bioware on the... Jade Empire, right? Uh, totally Jade Empire. No, uh, Knights of <laughs> Republic. I love Jade Knights Empire. Republic. Knights of the Old Republic was Which, awesome. Republic. I mean, when, it, when it first came out, and I actually one of the few games I actually picked up right after it comes out... Um, it, not only was it a first really good Star Wars game in a while, because there, there's a, especially, you know, we'd had a whole bunch of really good Lucas LucasArts games um, uh, that were in the Star Wars universe. There was, you know, X-Wing and TIE Fighter was a great yes. series of games. Dark Forces. Uh, Dark Forces was Dark great. Forces 2. And then there was this... And then it stops. And then it stops, and there's just nothing good. Yeah. Jedi? No, not Jedi nope, Academy. Nope. Jedi Outcast. Nope. No, you're, you're, really. you're wrong. I love that game. No. Well, you're a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> but so the, the so then Bioware uh, releases Nice Little Republic, which is you know really the the best Star Wars game to come the, out. In a the long best time. Star Wars yes. game. I, you know, I, I I really think it's the best Star Wars game. Period. Like <sighs> I really like Tie Fighter. I you're really like Beat X-Wing. makes senseless. You know, and I'm the crazy person here that loves Star Wars Rebellion. And okay, that was the strategy. You're no game. longer allowed to talk ever. <laughs> Continue. But. Uh, in, you know, it, it, once again, it's a Bioware game. It's got great storytelling. It's got uh, great voice acting. Yes, it's very much a so. good moral system. It's got a you know an interesting. It, did. it was and the game that made the moral system. moral system popular. I think. 
I don't know about that. They had moral systems before, but I don't recall other developers doing it to the extent that they did after Knights of the Old Republic. And what, like, after was, Knights of the Old Republic, like, every genre had a moral system. It was the first moral system I can really remember where well, the moral time? system actually had a major effect on everything that And happens. I think that's why it, it triggered it. Because, I mean, before, you, like, it's like, you get a different ending. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. Maybe. And sometimes not even that. But with Knights of the Old Republic, I mean, you, you got different abilities, the world... The world interacted differently, you lost allies. It was, you know, just one of the great great modifications. Yeah, I really don't think that game actually spawned I, I the moral system. I think black and white was probably the most influential. Uh, black and white really? was the most never influential to anything It was ever. probably the most influential good and bad evil no, it wasn't. system. Yeah, what, I game, think so. what, what, what game do you think directly was influenced by black and white? Populous. Okay, seriously? that That's, that's going to be your... You're, you're, like, you're proof that. that it's so 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 influential. That this shitty game that <laughs> Wait, no one liked. Were you saying what was influenced by Black yeah. and White? Oh, I think everything Pot- Peter Molyneux has done since. <laughs> oh, that's okay, great. Okay, so a bunch of crap. Uh, crap. <laughs> or as people right. like to say, Potter Molyneux. <laughs> Potter Molyneux. Potter Molyneux. So anyways, so, so, Nice Little Republic. Nice Little Republic. Uh, <laughs> black and White? Get that shit out of here. No, right? Black and White. The, the the game starts out well. It's yes. uh, you know there's some mystery around who your character is, and you know if you haven't played the game, I'm actually not going to spoil it for you because midichlorians. <laughs> <laughs> You're a giant the, the midichlorian. Entire, the entire storyline. Even now, I like I I actually played a little bit of it again, I, I, like a year ago, and it's still great. It's just great to go back to, even though its graphics are a little bit out of date now. Real quick, uh, just to let you know, the original two Knights of the Republic games do not support widescreen edition. But since we haven't blown Valve in a while, uh, the two versions on Steam do support widescreen. So I just want to put that out there. It's, so it's you can 20 bucks versions? for both games. Ooh. And totally and they're worthwhile. Widescreen. And it, you, you will get way more than $20 of value. Best character from it, though. Uh, it also is is worthwhile because they're of the uh, hor- of the hor- horrible assassin droid. Yes, yes, yes I was going to say the evil. Uh, who, yeah. who, it, it, when you play the game, you inevitably <laughs> will have the assassin droid in your, in your party. Who uh, has the best sayings, such as talking about how humans are so full of but liquids? It, but it's and... funny because he he states whatever emotion goes with his statement before he says what he says. So he says, "Annoyed, yes, yes exactly. master," yeah. or sarcasm. Of course, I will. lying. I'll Placating. do whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> placating. Oh, please, master, don't <laughs> hurt me. I did. I yeah, I love that. Robot. I mean, uh, the, the robot alone would make a fantastic game. Let alone all the yeah. other. That would actually be the best act, third person action game. Like if Mass Effect 3 was just that droid right around no, they could have just used that as mercenaries instead of mercenaries. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It made the Star Wars universe interesting again. Well, yeah, it like kind of it, it was it so on... much more than just, wow, let's talk about uh, Space Luke Skywalker politics. and yeah, you I mean, know, the, that's the, the horrible melodrama that is anything that's been written family beyond drama. Yes, beyond what the original Star Wars movies were, and I'm yeah. I'm not talking about episodes one through three, but just you know the books. How as much well. people like just wanted to replicate that initial experience? This was a whole new Star Wars experience. That yeah, felt building new, out felt the exciting. old Republic. Yeah, but well, it still it, wasn't it well. Filled out the old Republic, but the writing, the plot, the just the whole thing. It's I mean, Bioware. When, yeah, but when a video game company does better than a George filmmaking... George Lucas. Okay, you anyone could can do, do better, better than, than George, George Lucas. Lucas. But you think George <laughs> Lucas, being a businessman, would be smart enough to hire a writer. Dude, that's like saying Paul <laughs> Allen is a smart businessman because he happened to work at Microsoft for a while. Well, he had nothing to do with the business. 
also this is it was the, <laughs> exactly. the the first time that that I played a game where there was lightsaber fighting and it didn't look effing retarded. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Where they weren't uh, like, like whipping it around and yes. twirling well, it behind well, their backs. Yeah, but I mean, look, look at uh, the Jedi, uh, like the Jedi Academy game or whatever. It's, which got ridiculous. Which was just spamming the lightsaber. Yeah, you're just spamming. It doesn't look cool, but like in Nice Little Republic, lightsaber fighting looked really cool. Yeah, and it was one of those you didn't always just walk around with it out. You right. Yeah, you pulled it out, it out when you yeah, fought. Yeah. yeah, it was dramatic. Yeah, there's there was just tons the of music great was moments. really good. The music too. was great, and it was it was good. And uh, a lot of the old Star Wars games, they took the John Williams score and remixed it. This game actually added their own versions of songs. They actually added new songs entirely, and I felt they they were just as good as the stuff that John Williams had done on the. Uh, and I didn't want to get series. too inside baseball on this, but does anyone remember how they got? the access or the okay to just make their own extension to the I universe? think it was after uh, LucasArts had been wanting to make an RPG and from what I've read is that someone realized Bioware... that George Lucas was a horrible person to ask for story ideas <laughs> well no uh, Bioware <laughs> said can we do whatever we want they said no they're like well what if we make it take place like a couple thousand years ago and they're like oh okay that's fine because it doesn't affect any of the new yeah. stuff uh, I think that's why they were allowed All to right, do whatever okay. they wanted. Uh, it's the same reason why Dark Horse gets to write their I, own stuff. I couldn't stuff. recall. I, I, I know I read interviews at the time, but I was just thinking a moment ago, how did they do that? Was it just that it was so yeah. early that they said, read we, the Dark we've Horse never stuff, that, do whatever you want? It either takes place long before the movies or, long after. or after, yeah. which Star Wars Legacy, if you read comics, read that series, it's really good. Lies. <laughs> Yeah, so I, 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 you know, that that game, uh, not only does it set the tone for, I mean, we already knew that the Bioware, the, the, those guys were going to make good games. Yeah. But that really sets the, is the setup for this great string of fantastic RPGs that not only have, have great writing and they have great voice acting and they've got really good presentation, but uh, they just are so immersive that you sit there and you think about the games beyond when you're playing. That, yeah. that which there's is, there's which, something about them that resonates. And Dragon Age is probably their best one that they've done since. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree. I, 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 I'd I say Dragon so. Age is better than Knights of the Old Republic, but there would be no Dragon Age without Knights right. of the Old Republic. And and, and in a lot of ways, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that whole, everything about it, it just, the continuity between the games of, this is what, distilled down, this is what RPGs on 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 consoles or on the computer, these is this is what it should be. And it introduced console gamers to the PC RPG as well. I mean, it's you can't true. forget it that. It very too, much did. Yeah, is that all? All RPGs on the console were very JRPG in nature. Take your turn, do this, assign attacks, really huge menu things to like walk up and hit a guy with a stick. Um, Knights of the Old Republic introduced the whole uh, console uh, PC version of the RPG, which is where you had specialized attacks, but it was a very direct press this button to do that. So it had this little radial system that you didn't have in uh, the JRPG system that everyone had been using before. One thing I'm trying to remember, what was the DLC like for... They didn't have any. Didn't it have some? Nope. It didn't? No. Huh. It had a sequel made by Obsidian. Am I thinking of that? Yeah, okay. you're thinking of Knights of the Old Republic 2, which, while not as good as the first game, is actually still a very good game. Yeah, still a very good one, but but not nearly as good as the first one. So, no, no. So you didn't cry during Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic? Uh, no. There were emotional parts from my game. There was wins. emotional parts. My game wins. Uh, Just because you're a weak you have a little girl. You have a connection to uh, to three jet motherfucker. Don't three D spaceships. Her name three D spaceships. You know that is true. If if this had been included 1999, I would have just said Free Space 2, and that would have been the end of my discussion. Yeah. If there's any single-player game I've played through more than that, it'd be Free Space 2. Did you cry during that? Um, no, but I said holy shit on a lot of occasions, which doesn't really happen if like when the ships exploding. came. <laughs> when the <laughs> Sathanas <laughs> come straight at yes. you. 
Yeah, that was fucking so awesome. So favorite games from 1999. <laughs> favorite games from 1999. Homeworld 1. Between Homeworld 1. Quake Homeworld 3 1. and Free Space 2. <laughs> no, but yeah, so definitely uh, A Nice Little Republic 2. I mean, Nice Little Republic is, is really the highlight of especially the early parts of the, the yeah. 2000s. Yeah. Well, since we're just about out of time... Uh, Are we? One sentence review of... Uh, one sentence of what your favorite trend or whatever that came out of 2000 to 2010. Just say it. Uh, for me, I'd have to go with uh, sort of the expansion of strategy games into different aspects, uh, genres even, and interfaces. Uh, the trend that I like from, from, the, from the time period is storyline not being completely destroyed by advances in, video, in visual technology. I'd say mine would be the ability to cram more and more people into a multiplayer game. Either first-person shooter or MMO. I thought you were going to say the ability to cram more people into a one-shot porno. <laughs> no, Gangbang 2000 was not a video game thing. Although I, I'm, I'm still waiting with bated breath for the video game release of that. I'm building that. <laughs> okay, Tracy Jordan. <laughs> I need an EGAT on my neck! And end. <laughs> and end. <laughs> is that is that what it was? Egat. Yeah. Okay.